Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Let me just open mine up to that. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Book of Romans probably is one of the key books. When, when I was coaching at Mississippi State, I decided one time I thought that I'd memorize the whole book of Romans. That's a lot. It's a lot bigger than I thought it was. But I, I at least got through the football season chapter 1 <laughs> before I ran out of time and things. But uh, turning the Bibles to Romans 6, we're seeing great truths from God to us. It's how we can have victory in the Christian life. Our goal is to walk worthy of calling. Our goal is to be a, a, a mature, a spiritually mature believer. That's the kind of thing. We're moving to section 2. If you remember, we had the first five were what we call the foundations. And then in part two, we've got some other things. Let me just remind you, under where it says one, two, three, four, five, you can just write these words down where it said foundations. We started first with the fact that we were changed. Just write the word changed. We were changed people. We had gone from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. And then number two, we looked at our growth. The word growth could be there, and that's how we to know and apply the Bible and to grow. And then the third lesson was the walk, the walk of the Christian life. We wanted to walk worthy of our calling, walk in light, love, and wisdom. Number four, we talked about the power, and we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit inside and how we can have victory if we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, then number five, we talked about results. What does it look like? What does it look like when we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we're growing, when we're maturing, all those kind of things? If you notice, now we're in part two, which the rest of the lessons are going to be part two, and we're going to see things like Romans chapter 6 and 7, and actually also Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 8 a little bit too. We're going to talk about sin. I did. I worked on the lesson today. As you know, I've, taught, I've done this study a, a long time ago, but I'm going back and I'm redoing every lesson. And I, So lesson, the lesson on sin is lesson 9. And I, I worked on it today, and I thought, wow, I can't believe how much is in there. So there's a lot there. And then we're going to talk about producing fruit, which is huge. And then we're going to talk about rewards, which are, are really huge as well. So uh, it, the, the key is we're going to see a lot of things. And we realize that by faith in Jesus Christ, we're new creations. We have victory. Uh, we want to have victory over sin and death. We want to live righteously and godly. And as we look at Romans chapter 6, I think Romans 6 is the most overlooked passage as far as victory in the Christian life. Because when most people think about the Christian life, they say, okay, here's what you want to do is you want to live. Try to live the best you can. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But then you're going to sin. And when you sin, what do you do? You, you confess it. And, that, and everybody says Christian life is sin and confess and sin and confess. We're going to find in Romans chapter 6, he didn't say anything about confessing sin. In fact, what he says is stop sinning. That's what Romans 6 actually says. Stop sinning. And there's a reason you can stop. We say, well, stop sinning. Well, that's easy to say. Well, when we see what he tells us in Romans chapter 6, we might say, well, I don't have to sin. I'm choosing to sin. And we'll see it as we get through it. I think it's one of the most overlooked passages in the New Testament. I had never put together Romans 6 until I went to seminary. I had, I'd, you know, I'd studied the Bible a lot before I went to seminary. Um, I started teaching the Bible when I was about 24, 25, when I was at Emmanuel, the church. And then I didn't go to seminary until I was 31. So I had a pretty good understanding of the Scripture. But I had never seen Romans chapter 6 until a guy by the name of Bill Lawrence taught it in one of our classes. And I went, 
I have never seen that. I'm, I'm going to show you some of that tonight. I'm gonna, you're going to see part of it tonight and part of it next week. So there's some incredible truths there. So let's begin. Let's just talk about the gospel for just a second. And I've got, if you notice right there, I've got, how can we have victory in the Christian life? How can we do it? Well, it goes back and, and we talk about the gospel message. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And so when we think of the gospel, what do you think of when you hear the word gospel? What is, what is the gospel message? What is it? It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we say. And we say Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And whoever, what? Believes in him has eternal life. And so when we think about the gospel message, think about the salvation message. We'd say this. By faith in Jesus who did what? Died and rose again. We have eternal life. And so we'd say the, the key... For the for salvation is we'd say is the death and resurrection of Christ and our faith in Him is that correct? Well, we may not realize this, but the key for the Christian life is the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, I never understood that. I never put this together. I always said, okay, Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, and when you believe in him, you have eternal life. I did not realize that the key to have victory in the Christian life is we go right back to the fact that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And you say, well, how does that work? And so at the top of the page there, I've got, when we trust Jesus who did what? Who died and rose again, we are in union with Christ, and we have victory in our Christian life. Now, that's going to be sound a little bit weird. How do we have victory in the Christian life because Jesus died and rose again? We know that he died and rose again, paying for our sins, conquering death, and he gives us eternal life. That's salvation. We might call that, uh, you know, eternal life salvation. But how does this give us victory in the Christian life? And so I want to just tell you something. When he died, guess what? We died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose, we rose. We're going to talk about that. We may not realize it by the death of Jesus, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have eternal life salvation. By the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have Christian life salvation. And that's what we're going to see in Romans chapter 6. And it's going to take us two lessons because I'm going to go through it. Uh, I'm going to go through it in a lot of different ways so you can see this. So these next lessons are going to have two aspects in it, okay? Number one, a big overview of Romans chapter 6. So just write that down, a big overview of Romans chapter 6. Many of you, I don't know... Uh, have actually maybe ever studied Romans chapter 6. I've taught Romans twice as a pastor. I taught it one time. I took it in eight lessons. I put the whole book of Romans together in eight lessons. I did that on purpose. And then I took it and taught it verse by verse, passage by passage. It was over two and a half years to do it that way. That's just because that's just it's such a long book and it's such a deep book. It's got so much in it. So when I say Romans chapter 6, many of you may say, I don't think I've ever really looked at Romans chapter 6, or not very much anyway. And so we're going to see a big tonight, a big overview of Romans chapter 6. And then number 2, where it says number 2, we're going to remember, we're going to see three words. I'm going to give you the three words, but there are three words that are the key to understanding Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to list them for you right now. Are you ready for them? The word is to know, K-N-O-W, know, consider, and present. That's the three words. Three words from Romans chapter 6 that's going to give us the key 
to victory in the Christian life. So we're going to get a big overview of the book, and then we're going to look at those three words. And what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to take a big overview of Romans chapter 6, a, a, a big overview of Romans, then a big overview of Romans chapter 6, putting the whole thing together. And then tonight, we're going to come back and we're going to emphasize what we know. And then next week, we're going to emphasize to consider and to present. So I just want you to see that. So it's a little bit, little bit different. Uh, we're going to get the big picture, and then we're going to get the details. So let's start with a great truth, and that is this. When, when you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're placed in Christ. Do you remember that drawing? I just, I'm going to erase this. Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Okay. You remember the drawing we drew a while ago, which was the little person over here? Well, one of the great truths is this, and that's Jesus dying on the cross. I always... You probably, if most of you know me, but I always draw it like this because that's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When, G, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us, he places us in Christ, which is the body of Christ, which is what is another name of the body of Christ? What? The church, exactly. So the moment you trust Christ... Here you are, you put your faith in Christ, he places you in Christ. That's in union with Jesus Christ. Now that sounds weird, but we all say, does Jesus live in us? Yes. Do we live in Jesus, actually? Yes. Are we identified in Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. And so we're going to see that. And so we start off by saying, therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be... In Christ, he's a new creation. So we are placed in union with Christ. So Paul says 55 times about the whole idea of being in Christ. Now, in your little hand out there, it says, In Adam all what? All die. In Christ all are what? Made alive. So the truth is this. Because of our union with Christ. And let me ask you something. What did Jesus Christ do? He died, was buried, and rose again. Because of our union with Christ, we what? We died, we were buried, and we rose again. This union with Christ gives us the victory. Just like we say, I believe in Jesus who died and rose again to give me eternal life. Because of Jesus dying and rising again and my union with him, I can have victory in the Christian life. And we're going to see it uh, a little bit tonight and then even more details uh, in the next time. So beginning, we, we know in beginning in Adam, we come into this world and we're, con, you know, we're in union with him. And then the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, we're placed in him. And that, that's the key. And it means to be, we're going to talk in more detail in a minute. But uh, people are confused with the word baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you're placed in Christ. When you believe in Jesus, that's First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. When you put your faith in Christ, you are baptized or placed in union with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism means. Baptism means you're union, you're connected. Uh, that, that, that's what all that is all about. And we can see that. So in, 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 uh, in, in this, we're seeing the connection with Jesus Christ. Now, we come to the, in this world in Adam. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we're in Christ. Now, as we move to Romans chapter 6, there are the three words that stand out. I have them written for you here. We mentioned them a while ago. They're the words to know, to consider, to present. They're in the passage. And so we're going to see them as we go through the passage. But let me tell you, I want you to put beside the word no, I want you to put some verses. Verse, put uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. So just Romans 6, 3. Also put out Romans 6, 6. 
Okay, Romans 6, 6. Also put down Romans 6, 9. That's all besides the word no. If you look at verse 3, it says, or do you not what? No. Look at verse 6. What? Knowing this. Look at verse 9. What does it say? Knowing this. So the word know is there all the time. Okay, now look at the word consider and put, put Romans chapter 6 verse 11. And then look at verse 11 in Romans chapter 6. Look what it says. Even so do what? Consider yourself. And then the last word is present. And put down Romans chapter 6 verse 13. Beside that, put Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Besides that, put Romans chapter 6, verse 19. And look at verse 13. What does it say? And do not go on what? Presenting. Okay, look down at 16. Do you not know that whenever you what? Present. Look at verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because the weakness is flesh. For just as you what? Presented. So those are the three words that we're going to see throughout this passage. And when we see these words throughout this passage, it's going to come alive and you're going to go, oh my gracious, that's exactly what it says. And that's what it means. So these words give us the flow of the passage, but they also give us the victory. If you want to, you don't have to, but let me, listen, don't write anything besides those words right now, but let me tell you something. We're going to know that we died and rose again with Christ. We're going to consider that we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. And we're going to present ourselves not to the flesh, but to God. That's those three words, and that's what we're going to see. So as you go to the top of the next page, let you, uh, I don't know where you could write this. You could either write it at the bottom of the other page, or you could write it out to the side. Let me just give you a flow of the book of Romans. You don't have to write a whole bunch of stuff down. Just listen to this. This is how the book of Romans fits together. Chapters 1, 2, and part of 3 tell us we're sinners and need a Savior. So if you want to just write down, chapters 1 through 3, we're sinners and need a Savior. Okay? Then chapters 3 and 4, which tie together, is tells us how to have salvation. Tells us that salvation is by faith. <coughs> then chapter 5 is the results of salvation. This is in case you ever do study on your own. Chapter 5 is results of salvation. Chapter 6 is union in Christ. Chapter 6, union in Christ. Are y'all keeping up or am I going too fast? Keeping up too fast? Keeping up? Okay. Too fast? Okay. Y'all got it so far, right? 1, 2, and 3 were sinners. 3 and 4, salvation by faith. Chapter 5, results of salvation. Chapter 6, union in Christ. Chapter 7, conflict in the Christian life. Anybody have any conflict in the Christian life? And I'm not talking about conflict with other people. I'm talking about conflict within. Right? Do you want to sin? Yes, you do. You wouldn't. Don't, do you sin? How many, how many don't want to sin? How many of you sin? How many of you don't do the things you want to do? How many of you do the things you don't want to do? That's Romans chapter 7, right? And then chapter 8 is security. Chapters 9 through 11 is Israel, deals with Israel. And chapters 12 through 16 
is living out our faith. That's the book of Romans. Now you should know it. It's probably the most important book in the New Testament. Most people say, really? In fact, one of the things I had to do in seminary, I, 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 met, I basically know the book of Romans because I, they, when you got ready to graduate from Dallas Seminary, they had what they called a preordination examination. That was just what they called it. And they set you in a room, and there were two professors, and they could ask you any question they wanted to ask you about the Bible, about languages, about history, about theology. But we know they always ask us about Romans because it's such a pivotal book. So I made sure I had memorized how the book of Romans fits together. And of course, by the grace of God, over these years, I've taught it a few times, and, and it's just probably the, the great book. But anyway, so book of Romans. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the context, okay? Of as we get ready to get to Romans chapter 6, the context goes back to chapter 5, verse 19. Look what it says. As through one man's disobedience. Who was that? Adam. So Adam's... As through Adam's sin, what does it go on to say? As through one man's uh, obedience, disobedience, the many were made sinners. The many, that's everybody. Even so, through the obedience of one. Who is that? Who did, who's the obedience of one? Jesus. The many were made righteous. So, Adam brought sin. Jesus brought what? Adam brought sin. Jesus brought what? Righteousness. Look at the passage. As through one man's disobedience, as sin, the many were made sinners, even though the obedience of one, the many were made what? Righteous. Adam brings sin, Jesus brings righteousness. Look at the next verse, verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. Law, I'm going to tell you something, we're going to see it in about two lessons, but you may or may not believe me, but it's true, law causes sin. Law makes people sin. Always does. Always does. I was driving yesterday. And on the back of somebody's car it said, Put down the phone and look ahead. It was and I said, Don't tell me to put down my phone. Right? I don't have my phone. But, okay, what happens when you see law? What does law make you do? Okay, you cannot walk on this sidewalk. What do you want to do? Well, don't tell me to walk. I can't walk on that. Do not look through this hole. Um, I'm going to look through the hole. Why are they telling me not to look through? We're going to see it. Law brings sin. Look what this says right here. The law came in so that transgression would increase. Law brings sin. But notice, but where sin increased, what happened? Grace abounded. The Greek word means super increased. So where there was law came sin, grace does what? Covers sin. Aren't you glad? Let me ask you a question. How many of you are glad that grace covers sin? I mean, for not only for salvation, but for what? Christian life, right? Okay, now we're not through. We've got one more verse, right? So then what does he say? So that as sin reigned to death, whew, what does sin bring? Let's write it right here. Sin brings what? Death. What does this say? So, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace brings what? Life through who? Jesus Christ. So here we get ready to go to chapter 6. And he says, Adam brings sin and Jesus brings righteousness. And the law causes sin, but the grace covers the law. And wherever sin brought death, grace brought life through Jesus. Now, how do you feel about that? 
we, we're jumping up and down, right? Okay. Now that's going to take us to Romans chapter 6. And let me ask you something, because see, what we're really saying is this. Wherever there's sin, what covers sin? Grace. And that's through who? So if you believe in Jesus Christ, what do you have? Eternal life and everything is covered forever? Because eternal life lasts for how long? Eternal. So, so if I say to you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, what do you have? And you're saved forever. So you can live any way you want to. Can you live any way you want to and still go to heaven? Of course you can. Yeah, okay. So where's that? Where it has nothing to do. Does your lifestyle, your works, your goodness have anything to do with your eternal life salvation? No. And what this Paul's fixing to deal with this. Because he's just said, listen, y'all, Adam brought sin, Jesus brings righteousness. Where the law causes sin, grace covers it all. Where sin brought death, grace brings life. So that could bring you to the question then. Okay. So what do I have? What do I have? I have what? Life. I got life. How long do I have it? Forever. And, the great, and, and every time there's sin, what, does, what happens? Grace covers it. So, shall I continue in sin that grace may cover it? That's what you've read the next verse. What shall we say then? Are we to what? Continue in sin that grace may increase? See, the logical point is, if you tell people they are saved and saved forever, and that wherever there is sin, grace is going to cover it, then the logical point is, can I just keep sinning so that grace will just keep covering? And what's the answer? Look at what the verse says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound or grace may increase? What does he say? May it never be. Now, he's not saying that it's not true. He's saying that's not how we're supposed to what? To live. Okay, so let's talk about it. Let's get the flow. So here's the question. Look at verse 1 again. It says, what shall we say then? Uh, shall we continue in sin so that God's grace will cover it? And that's a, that's, a, that's a question. You know, there are people out there that say, okay, you people at Stillwater Bible believe that when you're saved, you're saved for how long? Forever. And so y'all can live any way you want to. And you can sin all you want to and it doesn't matter because you think you're going to heaven so it doesn't matter how you live. Now let me ask you a question. Do we teach people it doesn't matter how they live? No. Does how they live have anything to do with their eternal life salvation? No. How they live has something to do with what? Rewards. Okay? So the logical thing that Paul says is if you tell people about grace, they may say... Well, then just keep sinning because grace just keeps covering it. So Paul raises the question, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? What is Paul's answer? Verse 2, may it never be. No, you're not supposed to. Why? 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 Let me ask you this. Why should, why, why would we keep sinning if grace covers it, why would we keep sinning? Well, look what he says. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? He answers the question in verse 2 and says, Wait a minute, you, you died to sin. How do you live in it? Verse 2 says, We died to sin. See that down right down here? We died to sin. See your little blanks? We died to sin. Let me ask you a question. 
When did you die to sin? When, okay, let me ask you this question. He died for the sin of the whole world. Okay, here's the cross, right? And you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, right? The moment you believe in Christ, you are where? Placed where? In Christ. And so you're in union with Christ. And when did you die to sin? When Jesus Christ died, was buried, and what? Rose again. You died with Christ. When did you die to sin? When you put your faith in Christ, you're connected with Jesus. And what happened to him on the cross? He died to pay for what? All sin. Okay, now we're going to see it in just a second. So the bottom line is that we died to sin. When? When we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we were placed in union with Him. We were died with Him. We were buried with Him. We rose with Him to a new life. And so Paul says, if you died and rose with Christ to a new life, how can you live in sin? How can you? If you died and rose with Christ to a new life, and you died to sin, how can you live in sin? That's his point. So let's see what he's going to say. Look at verse 3, and we're going to start with our first word. What's our first word? To know. Watch what we know. Verse 3. Do you not know? Do you know? He's saying, don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ. What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? Now notice, I've got right there, it says baptized into Christ. What does it mean to be baptized into Christ? It means union with Him. Don't you know, this is, this is JB. I trusted Christ. The moment I trusted Christ, don't you know, JB, you have been baptized into Christ? Have I? Have you? Okay, look what he says. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized? What does baptized mean? Placed in union into his what? His death. So his death, right? Death. Did we die with him? Yes, his death. Then what does it go on to say? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death. What's the next thing? His what? Burial. We buried with him. So you actually were buried for three days, right? Three days and three nights. Because aren't you connected with Christ? Now you didn't exist at that point. But the moment you trust in Christ. Then when he died you what? When he was buried you were what? Now look at the verse. It says therefore we have been buried with him through baptism and the death. So that as Christ was what? Praise. Raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So we too might what? Walk in newness of life. His resurrection. We died with him. We were buried with him. We rose with him. We know that. Do you know you died and rose again with Jesus Christ? Do you know that? That's what he's asking. <coughs> Don't we know that? All of us who have been connected with Christ, we died with him, we were buried with him, we rose with him. Now, watch what he goes on to say. That's, that's part of it. That's our union with him. <coughs> our death and resurrection with him. And then he goes to verse 6. So we'll just skip on down because we're, we're just going uh, <coughs> not through the details on this time. This is the big overview. <coughs> Look at the next note. Knowing this, that our old self, what's our old self? What's the old self called? The flesh. Now you're going to die when you see this. Knowing this, that our old self was what? Died with who? With who? 
with Jesus, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order <coughs> that our body of sin might be, the word done away with there means rendered inactive, that we would no longer be slaves to her. What? To sin. Now, let me show you this. I'm going to get this out of the way. I hope you can see it. This is the body, right? This is the soul. This is the conscience. This is the flesh. This is the spirit, human spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, right? He says, the moment you died with Christ and were buried with him and rose to a new life, he's emphasizing the death, the moment that you died with him, this died as well. This was rendered inactive. This means its power was broken. What's this called? Sin within us, the old man, right? The flesh. Now look what he says. Knowing this, that our old flesh was crucified with him, died with him, in order that the body of sin, what's the body of sin called? The flesh, that the body of sin might be done away with, rendered inactive, so that we would no longer be slaves to what? To what? To sin. Do you have to obey the flesh? The answer is no. Why? Because, first of all, you died and rose again with Christ, and the flesh has been put to what? Death. You don't have to obey it anymore. I'm going to give you an example. I coached at Mississippi State, and Coach Tyler was the head football coach, and Coach Tyler might say to me, JB, get out on the field. I'd go, okay, if he told me to go on the field, what'd I do? Why do I have to obey him? Because he's my boss, right? And let's say that Coach Tyler's still the coach, and I leave, and I no longer coach there, in fact... He resigned and I resigned, so we resigned at the same time. But let's pretend he was still there and I resigned. And I went to work for a state farm agent. And I did before I went to seminary. So I'm at the office at State Farm working for Mr. Jack Forbes. And I get a phone call. And I go, hello. And he's Coach Tyler says, JB, it's Coach Tyler. I want you to come out on the field. What do I say to him? I, 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 I don't work for you anymore, Right. <laughs> I could say, okay, coach, I'll be there in just a minute. And I go to Mr. Ford. I'm going to the football field. Coach Tyler called me to come out here. And you could say, wait a minute, you don't have to obey him anymore. Why? You don't work for him. Do you have to obey the flesh? Why? You don't work for him anymore because you died to him and he died to you. The flesh, the part of you that's pulling us to sin, we can say to the flesh, I don't work for you anymore. Look at the verses again. Verse 3. You are, you are identified in Christ. You are identified in His death. You are identified in His burial. You are identified in His resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing that this old self has been put to death so that the body of sin would be done away with. And then look at verse 7. For he who has died is freed from what? Did you die? You're freed from what? This man, You don't have to obey. I don't have to obey. Anytime my flesh says, do this. I can say, no, or I can say, I'll be there in just a minute, right? Right? So we died and rose again with Christ, and we do not have to obey the flesh. Okay, let me go quickly through the rest of this, and then we'll get to the, the thing. What's the next word? Consider. So look at verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be what? Dead to sin, Dead to sin and alive 
to God. Now, the word consider means to count on it. You know it, right? Do you know that you died and rose again with Christ? He says, now, I want you to count it as true. Consider it as true that you're dead to sin and alive in Christ. That's what he says. That's what the, present, uh, the consider is. You're dead to sin and alive in Christ. We know it's true. Now we've got to start counting on it that it's true. See, there's some things you know. Oh, you know you can do that. Yeah, I don't, I, you know you can do it. Well, I know I can do it. Well, then start counting on the fact that you can do it. Now he says, you know you died and rose again with Christ, and you don't have to listen to the flesh. So now consider it true. Consider it. Count on it. Count it as true. And then, by the way, he says, so therefore don't let sin, verse 12, don't let sin reign in your body. When, how does sin reign in your body? How? When you what? When you listen to the flesh, right? When you obey the flesh, what reigns? What rules? Sin. He says, quit letting it rule. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Okay? One more. Present. He gives a negative first, verse 13. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to what? Sin. To sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to who? God. To God as those who are alive from the dead. So here we got it. This is our body. And you can either, and this is the word, present. And you can present your body to the flesh, or you can present your body to the spirit. You have the choice. You can do whatever you want. You can wake up every day and you can say, I know that I died and rose again with Christ to a new life. I know that I'm dead to sin. I know I'm considering the fact that I'm dead to sin and alive in Christ. And so I'm not going to present myself to the flesh. I'm going to present myself to the Spirit. That's what we know. That's what we know. That's what we consider. That's what we present. Now, can you wake up in the morning and say, I know that I died and rose again with Christ. But I'm, I'm not really counting on it, and I'm presenting myself to the flesh. Can you do that? Sure. You can. Okay? The verse 16 basically says almost the exact same thing, where he says, whoever you present yourself to, that's who you obey. Verse 16, don't you know that when you present yourself to someone as a slave for obedience, that's who you uh, obey, either sin or righteousness. So whoever you present yourself to, okay, so... Let me stop and give you a summary, and then we're going to go a little bit more detail with the last 15 minutes, and the details on the knowing. Understand this. God says, when you put your faith in Jesus, you're connected with him. And when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose again to a new life, you rose again to a new life. And when you died and rose with him, the flesh part of you was defeated and actually has no pull, has no right to tell you what to do from that point on. And so, you're supposed to know that you died and rose again in Christ to a new life. You're supposed to consider the fact that you're dead to sin and alive in Christ, new life. And now, you don't present yourself to the flesh, which results in what? Sin. But present yourself to the Holy Spirit, which results in what? Righteousness. That's exactly it. Now, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Do you know who you are? 
You died and rose again with Christ to a new life, and the flesh is dead in the sense that it can tell you what to do. You need to consider, we need to count it as true, I'm dead to the flesh, and I'm alive to Christ. And then I need to stop letting my body go to this and obey this and do sinful things. I've got to let my body, because he's talking about your body, go to the power of the Spirit and do righteous things. That's what is the key to victory. You notice he doesn't say anything in there about sinning and confessing and sinning and confessing. What does he tell you to do? Don't sin. He's telling you not to sin. He's telling you, just remember who you are. You don't have to sin. When the flesh says, look over there, you can say, I ain't looking. I don't have to look. You can call me all you want to, but I'm not answering the phone. Or you can call me and tell me, I want you to do this, and I can say to you, I don't work for you anymore. Okay? Now, let's look at some details real quickly at the knowing. Okay? And then next week, the details on the considering and the... The uh, presenting. Now, we've already talked about them. I just want you to see a little bit more detail so you can put this together. How do you feel about this? Will it change your life? It should. It should. If we obey it, it'll change our lives. Instead of us sinning and confessing and sinning and confessing and sinning and confessing and sinning and confessing, we'll say, I don't have to listen to this. I died to my flesh. I died to that part that's pulling me all the time, and I'm alive in Jesus Christ, and I can consider that as true, and I cannot present myself to the flesh. I present myself to God inside me. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we have victory. So let's look at no for just a second, and I want you to know there are two things that we know. We know that we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Okay, we died and rose with Christ to a new life. And second, number two is the, that uh, we the, the flesh has died to us. In other words, we have power over the flesh. It, 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 it can't get us anymore. Doesn't have to. So let me ask you a question: When you're an unbeliever, and when you sin, can you help it? Huh? When you're an unbeliever and you sin, can you help it? No, you can't. What power do you have? Nothing. You have the flesh. As a believer, when you sin, can you help it? Yeah. We're worse. Think about this. When you're an unbeliever and you sin, you say, I can't help it. When you're a believer and you sin, you're saying, I'm doing it on purpose. Right? Because the pool's there. Do you have to listen? We don't have to. So what do we know? Number one, number one, the big number one is we know that we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Here's the number one, okay, as we're going down the list. Number one, we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Look at verse three again and just answer them for me. You don't have to do all the writing. We've talked about a lot of it. Number three says, do you not know that all those who have been baptized into Christ, what does it mean to be baptized into Christ? That's right. With what? We're, we're connected with him. We're in union with Jesus Christ. And if you want to put that little deal, you can just put we're in union with Christ or we're connected with Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. we were all baptized into one body. When were you baptized into one body? The moment you believed in Jesus Christ. And we died with Christ. We died with Christ. And then look at verse 4, which you know. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried with Christ. If you want to write that down, we were buried with Christ. And then uh, that we might walk in what? Newness of life. Wow. 
Am I going too fast or are you all okay? You got it? So we know what? We know that we die with Christ, we are buried with Christ, and we rose to a new life in Christ. That's what we know. That's the first know. We know that. We are in union with Christ, and by being that's the first Corinthians chapter twelve, verse thirteen. We were baptized into Christ, and when we did that, we die with him, we're buried with him, we rose with him to a new life. We know that. We know that. That we might walk in newness of life. Wow. I, I, if I could only obey it. Ephesians 2 5, we were dead in trespasses and sins, and he has made us alive. That's who we are. You're alive. You were dead. Now you're alive. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We rose. That's why do you think we do the big, we beat the pond, the, not the pond, well, we, the, 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 trough, the water trough, and we got that trough, and people are going to baptize people, right? We got them all out there, and everybody's all gathered around, and what do we do? I take them, and I say, okay, because you'll put your, we're going to baptize them, and baptism is a picture of what's already happened. Baptism is a, a testimony that they have trusted in Christ, and by trusting in Christ, what happened to them? They died, were buried, and rose again. So we say, I baptize your name, Father, and I take them, and they go, they die, they're buried, and they rise again. That's why we do baptism that way. It's the testimony of saying, I've identified with Christ, and I've died, and I was buried, and I rose to a new life. That's what it is. Okay, so that's what we know. Now, there's a second thing that we know. And the second thing is we know that the flesh has been put to death. That the power of sin inside of us has been put to death. That's the second thing. These are all under no. Now, we've talked about them before. I'm just, this is the, the more of the details. Notice verse 6. And, and this, uh, it shocks people because when you read this, it doesn't, people say, that doesn't sound right. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self, what's our old self? Flesh. Was crucified with him. What happens when something's crucified? It dies. In order that our body of sin might be, and the word done away with is not a very good translation. It literally means rendered inactive. It means uh, that it doesn't have the right to do something. It'd be like we say, no, no, you no, you no longer have the right to tell me anything. It's not that the flesh is gone because we know that in the passage Paul talks about the flesh. He's not saying the flesh is gone. He's saying that it is done away with in the fact that it's power so that we would no longer what? What does it say? We're no longer what? Is no not looking at it? What does the verse say? No longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. So we know we died and rose again with Christ, and we know that the flesh was put to death, and it has no power over us, and that, as it says, we no longer have to know not slaves to sin. If your flesh says, do this, what can you say to the flesh? No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't work for you. I'm not, I'm not your slave. I'm not your slave. By the way, are you a slave? Are you a slave? Huh? Of course you're a slave. Who are you a slave to? Jesus Christ. You're a bond slave of Jesus Christ. You, you no longer slaves are a slave to the flesh. Who are you a slave to? Jesus Christ. He's the greatest master of all. Right? We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. 
Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Jesus Christ. Are you a slave to the flesh? No. You're a slave to Christ. This is the greatest message of all time. And so our old self was crucified. What does it mean? It means that we don't have to listen to it anymore. And I like, you've got to see verse 7 in detail, top of the page. It says, for he who has died, we died. It's past tense. You've already died. And then it says, we are freed from sin. It literally says we have been freed. And freed is in what they call perfect tense in the Greek, which means a past action with a continuous results. Are you set free from sin? For how long? Forever. Do you have to obey the flesh? No, you don't. We don't. So what do we know? We died and rose to Christ to a new life. We know that sin and the flesh has no power over us. We're not slaves to sin. We are free forever from the flesh. That's what we know. Now, we already talked about it tonight, but what do we consider then? Consider ourselves what? Dead to sin and alive in Christ. That's what we consider, which means to count it as true. You know this, now consider this, and then present yourself to who? Huh? To God and not to the flesh. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. So here we are. Got a body, holds it all together. Some are better than others. Then we've got a, a soul, a conscience, a flesh, the human spirit, which is the part born again, and the Holy Spirit. He says, you died and rose again with Christ to a new life, and this flesh is dead to you. So from this point on, consider the fact that you don't have to obey this anymore, so stop putting your body to Him and put your body him. That's what it gets to. Are we going to have victory or not? Uh, I've, I, I've been really failing. How, be, how you been doing? Okay. But now we know something, don't we? We know that it's not sin and confess and sin and confess and sin and confess. Now, when you sin, what do you do? You confess. But that's not how we're supposed to live, right? How are we supposed to live? I know this. I consider this. And I present this. That's how we're supposed to live. So let me give you that at the end right here just um, um, these summary things. Number one, we're in union with Christ by faith. <clears throat> we're in union with Christ by faith. And when we get through doing these five things, I, I want to raise it up, open it up for any kind of questions, comments, because this is the key. This is the key to the victory in the Christian life. We're going more next week because we're going to spend more time next week. We're going to go back and look at no again, but we're going to look at the consider in details, and then we're going to look at the present in details. Okay, number two, we died and rose with Christ to a new life. We died and rose with Christ to a new life. Number three, our flesh has been put to death. Let me ask you a question after you get that written down. Our flesh has been put to death. Is it true? Does it feel like our flesh has been put to death? Wonder why. You know why? Because we're not knowing and considering and presenting. If, some, if the flesh says, look over there, we go, okay, for how long? What do you want me to do? I mean, 
It's like Coach Tyler calling me and saying, come on to the field. And I turned to Mr. Forbes and say, Coach Tyler called me. I've got to go out to the field. He said, you don't work for him anymore. I know, but I always do what he says. Right? Isn't that what we do with the flesh? The flesh is saying, I got you because you've had me all your life and I've been winning for so long and now you're a new creation in Christ, but you ain't got it yet. You still think you have to obey me. You still think that you have to live the way you used to live. Let me tell you something. You're not who you used to be. You're dead and rose again to a new person. You're not who we, we're not who we used to be. We're new creations in Christ. Number four, we need to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. And the last one, present yourself to God, not the flesh. Present yourself to God and not the flesh. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. In the passage, he's going to say to God. He's going to say to the Spirit. He's going to say to righteousness. So what are the three words? No. Consider. Present. What do you know? That you what? You died and rose again with Christ to a what? New life. And you also know that what? The flesh has, has been put to death. What do you consider? That you died to what? Come on, think about it. Died to sin and you're now alive in Christ. And so, stop presenting yourself to your... But present yourself to God the Holy Spirit. 